Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Dude, I Love That. I'm Liv. And today we are doing episode number two of the career series. And this one is so much fun. I got to talk with my friend Liza and not only was she a young business owner and talks about everything that went into that, but we are talking all things, embracing being uncomfortable, embracing your boldness, which I know if you struggle with that, you know, that's a lot to deal with. And she has some great advice on that. She's also sharing the number one tip that she found that really changed her business and personal life and so much more. So let's get into it. Hey, Liza. So I am very excited to have you on today because you're the first eight we've had on. So I feel Mm -hmm. like we're going to have a very interesting conversation. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you so much for having me Liv. I'm excited to be on the podcast and I'm excited to be the first eight. Yes, I know. I know you're going to have such wisdom to impart, but as this is part of the career series, the first thing that I wanted to ask you is how the heck did you start your own salon and like go out on your own? Because I feel like that's one of the scariest things that you can do. And I know that a lot of times it's met with like some, hmm, hope that works out for you from family and friends, obviously out of trying to be helpful and like care about you, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it can rattle you. So what was that like? And did you deal with imposter syndrome? Yeah. So for me, my story, I became a hairdresser because I knew I wanted to own a salon. So that was always in the back of my mind. Every salon I worked at, every job that I had, I was thinking like, okay, do I want my future business to be like this? Or do I want to be different than this? So I was constantly taking these notes and that went on for almost a decade. I'd been a hairdresser for nine years before I opened the salon. And then when the time came, it was oddly not the way I had planned. Like I kind of got thrusted into it. I started doing some research. Um, I was working someplace that I thought was really supportive of that. I was very open from the very beginning that I wanted to own my own business. And so I started doing research, just saying, I had no idea how much, like how much does it cost to buy the inventory and how much does a lease even cost? Like I had no idea about any of that. So I just started doing some research and then, um, the place that I worked that was originally said that they were supportive got really shady and really toxic really quickly and did some things that just weren't cool. And I found myself in this situation of like, oh, I'm doing this now. <laughs> like I was doing all of this research thinking, oh, a year, five years from now, I just wanted to be prepared. But because of the situation, it was like, it wasn't a good environment for me to stay in anymore. And I felt like it was like, all right, it's, it's now or never. And I faced a lot of obstacles, not so much from family and friends because they had always known I wanted to be a business owner, but I was 25 and had never been a business owner. So getting a building to talk to me or a bank to talk to me for an SBA loan was all just a complete joke. So that was really difficult. And I remember then once I finally did get all of those ducks in a row, I hadn't felt any imposter syndrome or anything up until that point. It was like almost like living on adrenaline, like, yes, you know, let's do this. And then I remember, I will never forget like my first month in my office, my business has been open. I was like, just paying my first month's rent and all this. And all of a sudden I sat down at my desk and I'm like, what have I done? Oh no. (laughs) who let me do this? I have no idea what I'm doing. What kind of bank would give me a loan? (laughs) Like, just like the moment of, oh, this just got real. Like this is actually happening. And then like, I had a little freak out moment and then it was like, okay, you know, maybe this is me being an eight, but it's like, all right, I created this situation. Now it's time to like 
make it awesome. And so then I just like kept going. So, and there's been multiple moments throughout my career and life where you just sit like, what have I done? Yeah. The, oh shoot, wasn't prepared for that moment. Yes. Well, you know, as you know, eight, our, our sin, if you will, is lust. And a lot of people think of lust as like a sexual desire, but really the eights lust is about intensity and searching for that, like both intensity and almost adrenaline. And so that has been a situation that I found myself in like, yes, like, let's just do this and saying yes to things that were really exciting. And then the reality of them sits in and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the hype to get there was like really carrying you. And then you go, oh, yes. oh I have to make good on it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. Oh my gosh. That is like the most eight thing I've ever heard. Of. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm going to go, I can't even imagine talking to a bank at 25. Didn't Elon Musk do a whole thing about like, oh, you can take out $100,000 in student loans, but God forbid that you want to like start a small business. Yes, he did. And you know, it's so true. And I, I mean, I did my homework and I had my business plan and I had projections and I had all, and I think I went to maybe five or six different banks most of which never even called me back and stopped returning my phone calls. And same thing with, with buildings. I went to buildings and did all of that. And they all said the same thing. We want somebody who's like a, like a franchise or a brand name or whatever. And I will say, maybe again, this is maybe a, it's very satisfying to drive by some of those buildings and see them still empty. And I'm like, hmm, maybe you should have taken a bet on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the building would be filled and you would still be sitting there waiting for the next, you know, a taco bell yeah oh exactly yep that is so great so when you finally did all that and you've you've been a hairdresser for years you've owned your own salon then all of a sudden you had a shift where god's like i'm calling you out of that and now you're going to be moving more into like a coaching role so what was that like were you like god there's no way like i can't leave this thing or what what was the process Oh my gosh. That's, that's where I feel like my story really begins because being a hairdresser and opening a salon, all of that like made chronological sense. Right. And then all of a sudden I just started getting this feeling like this, just this gut feeling of like that I was supposed to be doing something more, something different, creating a bigger impact. And, and don't get me wrong. I believe that there's massive impact to be made in small business, not just with employees, but with the community that you're able to touch and I still think that that's a, a wonderful vision, but I just felt for me personally, God was calling me into something different and really sitting in that of like, what does that look like? What does that mean? And then I had this thing come back to me when I was a little kid, I had this vision of me speaking on stage to thousands of people. And ever since I was little, and as I got older, it kind of went away. It like quieted down, right? It's like, all right, I'm going to be a business owner and this is what I'm going to do. And so I kind of just let that go. And then as I felt God talking to me, calling me up and into this new thing, that vision just came flooding back to me. It was like, okay, all right, that's interesting. I don't really see how I get from where I am here to there. And I, I'd done a lot of coaching in a different realm within the cosmetology industry throughout my career. I, I taught at the Aveda Institutes. I was an educator, um, hair color educator and I, in salon. And I had a lot of experience presenting and like coaching others in my industry. And I sat down with my mom, my dad, and at the time, my fiance, now he's my husband, all individually. And I'm like, 
what if I told you I didn't want to be a hairdresser forever? And I'm thinking I'm like dropping this bomb. Right, right. right. And they're all like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you guys know that I don't know? Yeah. What have you seen? Cause I obviously was blind. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, and how about you help a girl out and tell her like, when you see this, right? Oh my God. They're like, they're like, Oh, she's an eight. She's onto it. Like she knows. And you're like, yeah. I would have appreciated I, something. Exactly. Like a hint. I don't know. Like maybe a giant sign. I don't know. <laughs> so I started leaning into leaning into it. And they all said, when I asked them, like, well, you know, what do you see me doing? They all said some sort of like mentoring, teaching, coaching, like something in that realm, which I always had really loved. So I'm like, okay, let's lean into that. And the more I leaned into it, the more just um, peace I was feeling. And like, I just felt God was like saying like, okay, you're, you're moving in the right direction. And life is constantly evolving. And I've seen, even since I started this venture two years ago to now, it's constantly evolving. And really the big thing for me has always just been like, all right, God, show me what you want me to do next. Because I still have that same main vision of seeing me on stage talking to thousands of people. And I've done some speaking, not to thousands of people, but I see that as the end where God has me, but I don't know how I get there. So every day it's like, okay, God, just show me the next step. I don't need to see the whole plan because if we wait until we see the whole plan, we'll be paralyzed and we'll never do anything because that's, that's not how faith works. Like God calls us to step out on faith And if we see the whole staircase and see the whole plan, there's no faith involved in that. That is literally the best point. Yes, 100%. And if you're watching on video, you saw me wave the white card, which is, you know, what we do here when someone says something incredible. But yeah, I mean, it really is like you, I think it's so funny how he works where he'll show you something. And then sometimes you don't get any other information until you're like, years down the road Mm -hmm. and so you have to just keep walking and be like okay if he said this to me he's gonna make it happen and now you're at that point where you feel him kind of turning your boat around ready to make a shift but then it's like well okay I don't like the boat's turning but I don't know where I'm going I don't have a map and so you're waiting for him and then he'll he'll be like okay go right and then you're moving that way and then like it's just it's this constant step-by-step walk and it's something that you're training for in those little moments. And then when it finally gets to the big moment of like, Hey, you need to step back from being a hairdresser now. Like you're going to be a coach. You were at that point where you're like, okay, I've had these little trust moments with you. Now I can fully step into it. So it's like a very gracious process. Yeah. And I had a major trust moment when I first stepped back from doing hair, I was only doing hair part-time anyways, at that point, I was running my business and, and doing those things, but I really felt like God was calling me to stop doing hair. And I was journaling and I felt him saying that to me. And so instantly I start like negotiating, right? I'm like, (laughs) well, can I wait until the end of season? Because you know, here in Florida, season ends like around this time now, like May-ish. And so, and I just heard him say like, no, you need to stop doing hair. And I'm like, okay, well, can I just go to like the end of the year? And he's like, no. And so I asked why, and we don't always get an answer to why, right? But I, I believe that it's okay to ask as long as you're okay with not getting an answer. And so I asked like, why now? Like, why do I have to stop now? And what I heard God say to me was that my entire life I had been striving and I had been working and I had been trying to do it myself. And he wanted to take care of me because he is a good father who wants to take care of us. But if we're constantly kicking and screaming and not giving him the opportunity, he's also going to lovingly say, okay, 
you know, like if this is what you think you want, then I love you. You can have it. And then we end up, you know, ultimately usually coming back to him. Like, why did you let me do that? But yeah. So like, I'm like, all right, God, like I'll stop. So four weeks later I stopped doing hair and it was really scary because a couple of um, weeks later I was sitting with my CPA and he said to me, you either need to do hair again or stop paying yourself as a business owner. And at that point, that was my husband had just started a new venture. So he wasn't really bringing in a lot of money. That was our sole income. And so I'm like, I'm not okay with either one of those options. <laughs> yeah. Oh you know? no. So I'm like, just give me a couple more weeks and let me just see. And historically at the salon, I make one really good hire a year. And I had already made that really good hire. And I just, you know, was praying like, God, okay. Like I was obedient. Like I, I did what you said, but my CPA is telling me like, I have to make this decision. Like, please just provide, please provide, please provide. And within the next, I would say three weeks, he brought me two amazing stylists that are both really strong Christians that are just incredible. And it was like, all right, God, there you are. Like I listened and you provided, but we oh, have to give him the man. opportunity. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I love that he didn't just give you one more. He yes. doubled it. Yeah. Like the provision from mm-hmm. stepping out and doing what he's called you to do, mm-hmm. it always comes because he's not yeah. going to leave you hanging. It's not like, I'm going to give you this, but like also throw you to the wolves. Right. You know, yeah. that's really wild. And I think I'm going to be talking about this on another episode, but I just had basically the same situation where the Lord was like, you need to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is my main source of income. Like, what am I going to do? And he's like, you need to just give me a month. And I'm like, okay, meanwhile, like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. But that's where, and it's so funny because like you and I have talked about this story before, but for some reason I totally forgot those details and that's so him because now I'm hearing it and it's like more confirmation that that's how he works. Yes, 100%. Oh my gosh. Well, as part of this series, the one thing that I love asking is, if there is a specific piece of advice that you got, it can be business or personal, whichever, but something that really changed your life or something that you found along the way that changed the way you do business. Yes. And it's not advice that I was given. It's something that I kind of learned along the way, something that I used to be really good at. And then I kind of lost my way in. And now I've like come back to that. And that piece of advice is to trust your gut. Of course, a very eight thing to say. I love that. I love it. (laughs) Exactly. Leave it to me. But you know, there were multiple times in my business, even in the salon where I had great mentors. I had some people that were very successful that took me under their wing and, you know, guided me and gave me really good advice. And there was a time about not doing hair. I wanted to step back from doing hair. It wasn't about me completely stopping, but I wanted to go from full-time to part-time. And this mentor of mine was like, you're not there yet. Like you need to, you need to keep going. You need to keep doing hair. Like this is, you know, how you are successful and at risk of sounding like, you don't know what you're talking about. I just knew instinctually that it wasn't right for me. And I didn't listen to his advice and I went against it, but it was 100% the right decision for me and for my business. And so I'm not saying to be reckless, you know, you should still pray about it and reflect and understand if that's truly what's right for you. And this really 
takes you getting very in touch with your own body and your own mind to be able to tell the difference between, am I making an impulse decision or an emotional decision? Or is this my gut, which I also believe is how God talks to me is through my gut. So you have to be really, really self-aware for that to work. So I encourage everybody to do the work that needs to be done so you can become that self-aware, but then trusting it. And you don't need an explanation. It doesn't need to make sense. And you don't owe anybody a reason for why you're doing it. All that matters is that you have peace at the end of the night of the decision that you made. So trusting your gut and learning to how to use that as a tool, I think is the most important thing, both in business and in life. That is 100% true. And I think it's so easy, especially because if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm a six and I'm in the head triad and I will overthink something to death. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, 10 ways till Tuesday. I've got every situation figured out. You get paralyzed because you're like, uh, but I, I don't know. And then you just talk yourself out of it when it's like, that might be the thing that you need to do. And it might not be comfortable, but rarely is leaving your com yeah, leaving your comfort zone comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes you're called out of it and mm -hmm. it's good. Almost always, honestly. Yeah. I mean, nobody that ever did anything worthwhile stayed in their comfort zone. That is where life truly begins is when you push yourself or allow yourself to go outside of that and being okay and being comfortable in being uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. That is, I think you just scared like half the people listening because they're <laughs> like, no, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Like no one wants to be uncomfortable, but also I think there's, there's like some joy that comes from being uncomfortable. There's a little bit of that possibility. Yeah. You know, and it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And now that you've brought that up, I'm curious because when we had coffee, oh, by the way, Liza's a new friend. We met recently, mm -hmm. but like she's literally amazing. Um, you mentioned that you moved like every year since yeah. you were 25 or something. So from the time I was 17, okay, okay, to, 20, to 24, 17 okay. to 24, I moved every year at least once a year. At one point I had moved to five states within five years, which I also believe now that I know the Enneagram is totally an eight thing. Yeah. Every place I lived, I had a goal. And as soon as I achieved that goal, I'm like, nothing left for me here. Oh my God. You're like the whole city's burnt. I got to go. Yeah. Oh my leave. gosh. Okay. So what did you do? Like, I guess if you're moving somewhere that you don't already have friends or family, how do you get used to being uncomfortable and like maybe not knowing your routes? Cause you know, that stresses me the heck out or, you know, not knowing people there. Like a lot of people would be going, well, that means I have to make all new friends, get a new job, do this, like all of it. So how did you process all of that? Or was it just like straight adrenaline? I'm excited. Um, no. So I'm actually majorly an introvert. So that was different, but I also have an extroverted career. So it requires me to be extroverted. And I will say in once in one city that I lived, I drove to work and home from work two different ways solely because I could not figure out how to do it the other way for like a solid six months. Oh, no. so, <laughs> there's that. I would say, honestly, it's getting back to you and making yourself the focus, which sounds selfish and maybe it is, but I feel like it's, it becomes unselfish later on in life. So especially for young people listening, teenagers, early twenties, 
you have to know who you are to be successful in life in anything, to have a career that you love, to be a good partner to another person. You have to know who you are. And that doesn't happen by just staying with the same group of friends or staying in the same little circle or going through the motions. I actually did a thing called the year of Liza when I was probably 22 where I refused. I didn't date. I'm like, I'm not going to date anybody. And I just did things that piqued my interest. I joined a gym and then I joined a CrossFit gym. And then I took a dance class and I took an art class. Like I just was like, what do I like? I know the things I've always done, but what do I really like? So even if you're not, you know, committed to being single for a year or whatever it is, you know, I, I still encourage you if you're moving someplace new to take some time to think, what are some things that have always interested me that I've never, because nobody knows you, right? Like it's this opportunity to be whoever you want to be and whoever you truly are without any judgment from people who would say, why is she doing that? That's not who she is. You know, nobody knows. So if you've always thought about taking a dance class, even though everybody thinks that you hate to dance, really, it's just because you're scared to be bad. Take a dance class. Nobody knows who you are. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. I love that. But my one question is, what do you do? Do you have like that voice in your head that's like, oh my gosh, they're going to see right through you? And if so, how do you get around it? Because even though you know they don't know you, it's like you know you, and it almost feels like you're transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I will say, I, I think that being an eight has been incredibly helpful with that. I'm also an only child, so I'm used to doing things by myself and kind of being the lone ranger in a lot of things. But I, I would say taking a few moments of just silence with yourself before you're getting ready to do something and reminding yourself that it's really none of your business what anybody else thinks of you. We needed to hear that. Thank you. I know. (laughs) Because, you know, there's been so many moments in my life that I could say I was perceived wrong because of my eightness or because I'm an introvert or because I'm an introvert eight, which really is another level. It is, it is. (laughs) And can seem a certain way when really I'm not that way. And I used to try to overcompensate to make people like, you know, I really am nice. I really am friendly. And then I realized if you're not going to take the time to get to know me for who I really am, I don't really have time for that. There's enough people in my life, even if it's only one person, even if it's only my mom, there is enough people who love me for who I really am that I don't need to sit here and explain myself to anybody else. Wow. It's so simple, but yet it's so freaking difficult. Like you're hundred percent right. It's none of your business and you can't control how someone perceives you, but yet you always want to be seen in a good light because obviously if you're not just like a sucky person, you want people to think highly of you, but it's just like always a little bit like, oh, I wonder what they thought of me. Or you leave, you leave a situation going, I hope that I left a good impression, but at the end of the day, you can't control it. And so it's like getting to that point where you have peace that you can't control things. That in the thing that I've really just realized, I would say, honestly, this last year is you hear people say, you know, what they think of you has more to do with them than what it does with you, right? Okay. And I hear the words that you're saying, (laughs) but what I realized is that the truth of the matter is, is that I'm not responsible for somebody else's triggers and I trigger people. I like that you know it, you embrace it. I do. I trigger people. There, There are people who I like that I genuinely want to like get along with, but not at the risk of not being me right? And I can't do the work for that person. 
I've done the work to have self-awareness, but I can't do the work for them. And if they're triggered by me, then that just means that in this season, if anything, I'm doing them a favor because by triggering them, I'm hopefully inspiring them to face their own triggers in their own insecurities in the own things that they have to work through. And if nobody triggers them, then those things can just stay nice and quiet, cozy, and they can pretend like they never exist, but that's not healthy. Like that's not what life is about. Life is about being the best version of ourselves. So if I inspire somebody to face those things, then I feel like I've done them a favor. That is an excellent way to look at it because it takes the focus off of you completely and like your own feelings and your own insecurity and it places it on them. And it's like, Hey, this might be an opportunity mm-hmm. for them to do something. And it doesn't make it all about you, mm-hmm. which I think is very much our mode of operation in this crazy yeah. social media, me first culture. But on that, I'm really curious. This is a hot seat question. Okay, and this is going right. to, this is going to round out our time, but <laughs> what would you say to someone that is having trouble embracing their boldness because I know as an eight, you guys are just bold and amazing. And so if someone's worried about coming on too strong, or I know a lot of girl eights kind of feel like they come off as a bit of a B mm-hmm. and it's like, that's not it. I have two things to say to those people. Okay. The first one is, this is a hard truth. Okay. The people that are in your life right now are not necessarily going to be the people that are in your life a year from now. I have maybe one friend that I've had for more than 10 years, a few acquaintances, like people that I know, but one true friend. And we, him and I were just talking about it the other day, because I saw something about like, if you know somebody for more than seven years, or if you've been friends, they're stuck with you for life. And so I sent a message. I'm like, you're stuck with me for life, buddy. But most of the time, you know, the truth of the matter is they don't matter. They matter as people, of course, but if they're not going to be in your life for in five years from now, then why spend time worrying about what they think right now? Even people that you think are going to be in your life forever. And if they are in your life forever, then they're the people that want to see you show up boldly. They're the people that are rooting for you, that are so excited for you. It's like that old adage of the people that matter don't mind and the people that mind don't matter. You know, like it, it goes back to that, you know, the people that are going to be in your life 10, 15 years from now are rooting for you and want to see you show up boldly. But those aren't usually the people that we're quiet for. Usually we're quiet for the people who we want to get to know, we want to impress or whatever, but they're not thinking about you. We're in such a self-consumed society. People are watching their own stories to see how many views they have more than they're watching anybody else's stories or seeing how many views they have on their reels more than they're watching your reels. You know, so people are so self-consumed. They're really not thinking about you. And if they are thinking about you, it's because you're triggering something inside of them. It's not really about you. And then my second thought is, and I've lived my life with this with every place that I moved and everything that I did is very rarely do people regret the things that they've done. People more often like on their deathbed, maybe in the moment you regret, oh, I said that, or I did that, whatever. But at the end of their life, they're regretting the things that they didn't do, the chances that they didn't take, the way that they didn't show up. And so I would always rather live with the pain of, "Mm, I did that. I probably shouldn't have then. What if, what if I had done that? What if I had taken a chance? Yeah. That's a, that's a sobering thought. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Cause you're like, what if I did this and like the course of my life could have changed, which I think could send you into a, an anxiety spiral. But at the yeah. end of the day, when you're in those situations and you're kind of doing the this or that, it's like, what am I going to regret most not mm-hmm. doing it? Or if it is something that maybe you shouldn't do, yeah, 
I will regret doing it. And so that's like a very quick and easy yes or no. And it helps you filter out things that you should and shouldn't do, which Mm -hmm. I think also takes away the anxiety of doing it. And the other thing too, that I'd like to point out is that anxiety or like anxiousness is the exact same thing as excitement to our bodies, to our brains. It's literally the same thing. What happens when you get excited? Your palms might sweat. You start to breathe heavier. Like you get a little shaky, like the same thing's happening when you have anxiety. It's literally us just making the mental decision of, I can decide right now that I'm not anxious about this, that I'm just really excited. And then just being okay with being excited. That is a simple prescription right there. No, it is. It is. But you know what? A lot in life is easier said than done, but you have to choose to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I am so glad that we had you on today. You are like the perfect career series person. And there were so many yeah. things that you said that can apply to several situations in life, because I know a lot of you listening might be graduating high school or college and moving into the workforce. And that's obviously scary and, and a bit daunting, but you had so many great things to say. And especially if you are maybe going to college and you're worried about meeting new people and being at a new place, there's a lot to be excited about. So it's shifting focus, being excited. And like you said, not choosing to focus on what's making you nervous. Very, very simple, but I know that you can do it. Might be a little scary, but you've got this. So Liza, thank you so much for coming on. And do you want to plug anything? Because I know you're doing awesome things and I want people to know. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, first, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been amazing. I'm so just honored to be able to pour into your listeners and to be here. Um, Honestly, I'm here to connect. I I really have a heart for just encouraging people to show up and be their true self. I've been saying lately, this has been like my catchphrase of like, in a world full of filters and fillers, I'm just here to be authentically me. And so I want to encourage other people to do that too. So feel free to find me on social media. And I don't know if you want to put the link in someplace or if you write the name, because my name's weird. It's underscore Eliza <laughs> underscore Carden. So why do you have an underscore first? I don't know. Um, so you're different and it's fine. Different. Yeah. <laughs> why? Because why not? So I'm here. And if you ever just feel like you need somebody to talk to or that you're going through something that you need some encouragement or to help finding your gut, your own gut. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking. It, it matters what's right to you and, you know, between you and God. So um, if you find yourself in that place and you just need some encouragement, reach out to me. I'm happy to connect with people. Yes. And if you are a women, woman, business owner, there we go. I mean, women, all women, but if you are a woman and a business owner, be sure and check her out. She has a ton to say about that. And obviously she's had a successful business and is currently in a successful business. Um, And she also has great things to say about relationships and just like quote, taking off your boss hat and being in your relationship and really solidifying that because that is the most important relationship you'll have other than your relationship with God. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. All right. I will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.